CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to another episode of the original Off Course. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me this week is Mr. Alex D of Ara Terra Fame. It's a brand new shaft company coming out, uh, not surprisingly, out in the Carlsbad, California area. Alex, it is awesome to have you on. Dan, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that chance to speak to your audience. Absolutely. Hey, we, we've had a little bit of a preview of your company that's that's brand new uh, with shafts soon to be rolled out. Uh, I'm absolutely owning that pun for the record. And we, we've just got a little tiny taste of what's coming. So I want to dive into that fairly deep, but I think it's important to focus on some of the folks that are behind the brand straight out of the gate. Uh, a lot of people who are familiar with a relatively large brand know the name Alex D. You've been doing quite a bit in the shaft industry for over two decades now, I believe. So can you give us a little bit of a background of yourself and, and how you've come to be? Oh, wow. So this is only 45 minutes, right? I can, I can, yeah. I might, I might take all of that just doing this. Uh, I'll just mute. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my background honestly, is is in materials and material engineering. So I have a mechanical engineering degree from UC San Diego. And then I went and got my master's at the University of Delaware, where I focused on composite materials. So that's been kind of like my passion and composite structures and the material itself. Um, and I ended up uh, coming out of grad school and going to Fujikura. And that was just a really cool opportunity to, you know, use those, the knowledge that I had in materials and apply it to something that was kind of recreational and fun and, and performance related versus making bombs. You know, I had an opportunity to uh, work at this company that did rocket bottles. And, and I always kind of think it was funny because I could have been a rocket engineer. And <laughs> And you chose golf shafts, yeah. <laughs> I chose golf shafts. You know, it's kind of like you you never know how these things are going to turn out, and um, you know, those are some interesting choices I made, and it's been really rewarding. I think the, the the field of golf has been really great for for someone who's technical in nature and enjoys you know engineering because there's so much technology in golf. You know, down from the the head side to the shaft side to the characterization side, uh, the aerodynamics and all the stuff that's going on in golf it really flexes in a lot of engineering skills. So um, it was a great fit for me. And and for the last 25 years of being at Fuji, you know, it's been, it's been a great ride. And um, we've seen a lot of growth in aftermarket and, um, and, you know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of uh, successes in that field, making shafts that performed well for, you know, a lot of the greatest players on the PGA tour. So, um, it's just a great validation of, you know, sound engineering principles, I think. Yeah. I'm thinking you said 25 years. Is that the number? Yeah. I kind of, uh, I kind of resigned just a month or two out of my 25th anniversary. Okay. So I would have, I don't know I would have, I turned down the, the gold watch or something. I, I'm trying to set the, the stage from a perspective of 25 years ago, what the big heat was and the shaft discussion uh, we, I believe we were in graphite driver shafts or at least just starting to get into them at that point. Um, and then obviously yeah. iron shafts and graphite were only for your great grandfather, not even your grandfather at that time. So <laughs> yeah, the big deal was speeder seven, five, seven. Yeah. Right around 19, 
you know, 98, and I hate to date myself, but yeah, 1998, you know, Speeder 757 was big. And, um, you know, probably, a, a, I think there's probably the Graffaloi shaft was probably out there, the EI-70, the UST, the Laker shaft was probably in that time zone. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's crazy. was a really nascent market. And I think it still is in some ways. Um, so it's come a long way, right, with ball flight monitors and, and uh, you know, just the whole fitting experience and a lot of the OEMs really pushing uh, the need to get fit. And I think the consumer realizing how important that is at all levels to, to kind of extract, you know, and optimize your game. I think that's what golfers are all trying to do, right? The, trying to get every last bit out of their equipment and out of themselves. Right. Well, I, I think there's two parts of this discussion and, and at least to that component, uh, just the fact that golfers are, much more familiar with what works now and they're so they're much more discerning as to what they're looking for i think there's been a history of hey i'm gonna go with the shaft that that guy has and hopefully they have it in a flex code that actually works for me and now it's like hey i need this to happen during this part of my swing and i need these ball speed numbers with a dispersion of x and torque rating of blah 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 like but golfers at least from an aftermarket perspective have shifted their mentality a lot which i think has opened the door to the potential to deeper creativity. Um, and, and, and then that's just looking at it from my side of like, Hey, once you get past the pretty graphics, what exactly is going on under there and, and how much material can you mess with? So I, I know that was huge, but I, I, I want to go back to it. one thing I do is I creep LinkedIn. I can't help it. Uh, and I saw some commentary on there. Uh, let's see if I can find it here in my notes. It was uh, spread. To, oh no, that's 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 a little early. Uh, way back in the day when you were messing with laminate theory and beam theory. Now, now yeah. listen, now listen. I don't know <laughs> what the hell that means. Uh, I know it has something to do with something that relates yeah. to golf shafts. So, I, I'm just thinking back to technology, and, and I'd love for that to be like a starting point of why did that matter then, and how much has what you're researching and reviewing changed since that time when you're focusing on things like that. Well, when you, when you bring up something like laminate theory and, and beam theory, those are like the fundamentals of, you know, making a composite golf shaft. Um, laminate theory is just the idea that when you take composite materials or, you know, unidirectional type fiber reinforced composites and you put them in different orientations, you're going to get a different, uh, you're going to define a structure based on that stacking sequence, right? And there's a certain strength and stiffness level that's laminate theory in a nutshell right there. So you guys can save three years of master's degree. Um, <laughs> and then beam theory is really, you know, when we look at golf shafts and bending, you're trying to predict uh, how it's going to deform under a certain loading condition. And so with, you know, one of my first things that I did, um, actually I started this when I was at Delaware, I was to write uh, software that could predict how a shaft will behave under certain loading conditions. And that's so that you could create a, a layup and kind of predict its its performance and behavior before you build it. And so it's a it's a three D kind of a, I guess they call that a finite element model, right? Um, and so that actually was a big deal starting off with FujiCurve because um, you know after nineteen when I got there they were designing on a calculator and I and to this day I don't understand how you can do that because there's so many variables you're juggling. And what happens invariably is if you change something, something else 
changes. And so you have to track all these things. And the only way to really do it was on a computer that can, you know, slice the shaft up into, you know, thousands of segments and monitor all these changes that occur when you change a layup or change a material type or change, um, you know, thickness or a weight of a material or the angle of the ply. And, um, you know, after developing that software, every shaft we made sense was on that software. So, you know, it, it, it sped up development time. And um, instead of versions that went through the alphabet, you can pretty much nail it on a version one, and sometimes just on a tweak from that initial version, and you could get exactly what you wanted. So, so um, yeah, that's, that was the foundational part of, you know, working at Fujikura and just getting that bottom part in. Now, once that's in, you're more free to do other things that are exciting, like, hey, how do you make the manufacturing you know, uh, the tolerance is better. How do you understand variances and, and tighten those all up? Um, what else can we do now uh, from a characterization point of view to better, you know, determine how a shaft really behaves or, you know, uh, how do you model its, its, you know, characterization properties better or its endurance life, things like that. So, you know, when you don't have to go through the alphabet making a shaft, you, uh, I mean, in terms of versions, right? You have more time to focus on other things, and and we really went after it, you know, trying to not just be able to build the part, which then became super simple, but then how to characterize it better, uh, understand its performance better, um, understand its its uh, its strength and um, endurance, right? Those are all very important parts of making a golf shaft. Yeah, I want to skip ahead uh, because you just loaded me up with crazy thoughts. But I think it's important to, at least early on in this discussion, talk about some of the technologies that makes Aratera interesting. And I'm reading it from a PDF right now. It's called Spread Toe Carbon Fabrics. Uh, now, there's beautiful, beautiful images here that presents it very easily from my uh, soft mind to figure out, but it, it seems to be a fairly significant step away from what's a more conventional styling when it comes to the uh, the regular towing of. And what exactly is going on there? Is this what will set Aratera apart from others? I I think so for sure. I okay. mean, spread tow is 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 I think a more recent advancement in composite materials, and you know it's something that I that that's really exciting for me. And a lot of that has to do with just, you know, the mechanics of this material. When we looked at fabrics, you know, you know, early on in this industry, they were, they're thick and they're, and they're heavy because of that. And they're resin rich because of that. And I, you know, a lot of people who I think look at carbon fabrics, you can really relate to it by, if you're an automobile enthusiast, you know, maybe you see some people with, hoods made out of this material or you know rear spoilers made out of this material or sometimes there's a lot of interior carbon fabrics that help decorate the part and make it just look cool right but those are relatively thick and heavy and they look good but they're not great for a golf shaft application our shafts you know you're, you're trying to push 40 50 grams 60 grams even at that weight some of that material would take a huge percentage of that weight because it's so heavy and um with a spread toe What's cool about that is they took the toe, which sometimes is, you know, 3,000 filaments or 10,000 filaments, 12,000, 24,000 filaments. These are yarns. So they just imagine a yarn of 
carbon fibers, right? And they're, they're relatively thick. Um, and if you were to weave that, right, you get these, these thick type of fabrics in two directions of material in two directions. They're kind of over undering each other and they're crimping over and under because they're so thick. And, um, and now of course, because they're so thick and you got to fill it with resin, you know, there's a lot of places to pool the resin to fill it. Um, and if you don't fill it right, then you're going to get these surface imperfections and voids. So that's another issue. So when you go to spread toe, they take that yarn, that toe, and they spread it first into a flat tape. So now it's super thin, now it's super light. And then you weave that tape, right, into a woven fabric. And you're getting something super thin, super stiff, because now there's no crimping. There's no over and under. And so when you pull on a carbon fiber, it really is stiffest along its fiber direction. You engage that stiffness of the fiber immediately. But when you have a fabric that's standard carbon fabric, right? And you get these over and unders, it's starting to act like a spring. And when you pull on it, these springs want to kind of straighten out. And that's really not engaging the fiber stiffness. You're kind of engaging this geometry of over and unders crimping. And that just makes you lose stiffness. So there's like all these penalties in using that type of material that's solved by using the spread toe. Okay. Is, it, is that part of why we see that sort of checkerboard look because you have that uh, multi-directional concept there? Yeah, that, that, that checkerboard look is coming from uh, a yarn, a toe, right? Which is then spread to a tape. Now it's thin, now weave that. So that's what you see. It's like a, okay. almost like a, like a wicker basket, right? Where it's nice mm -hmm. and flat. Um, but it, because it's so flat, it's very lightweight, right? It's super thin and it's super stiff. And it's, um, you know, super lightweight. I don't know if I said that, but those are like some of the key metrics, right? That make it so exciting. But the penalty is cost, right? Now you have to spread this and then weave it. And okay. uh, so it's an exotic type of material. And, and what makes it difficult to use for a lot of people is, is high cost. Okay. So is this one of those things with less is more uh, or is more is more? <laughs> uh, it, it depends on how you look at that um you know it's an exotic material and if you looked at it from a cost point of view if you're if you're like a bean counter you need less but if you're looking for performance and you want the best out of your structure more is better yeah and the the one thing i'm always curious about when it comes to shaft companies is the ability to take concepts and materials and and make that argument that one plus one ends up equaling four and not necessarily two, right? Like the idea of implementing these things to add uh, mega benefits yeah. with as, as limited as a, a material and, and styling is, is, is needed. So I think the question that I would have is, and, and maybe this will allow you to set the, set the tone a bit with Aratera is what will set you apart from others? What, what is, what will be the design concept that, that really separates you? Yeah, there's, it's, there's no joke that when we want to start a company, which is crazy as itself, crazy as it sounds in itself, you know, we know we're going up against one of the most popular chefs probably known in the industry for, uh, for generations. Right. And, um, and I had to beat my own shaft that I had made at Fuji. And so, um, you know, 
that was a tough, it's a tough thing to do and it's a tough call, um, but it's something that's a challenge that I wanted to have. Um, and I went after that. So how do I, I went after that by leveraging the spread toe type of carbon fabric. And, um, you know, during the development time, it was a question of, you know, how do we leverage this material? And, I, and I've used this before, even when I was at Fuji, you know, it was on the, in a blur design that I made in probably 2011. And that was a full ply spread on the outside. And when I did the Ventus TR, I had put it on the, uh, you know, in the handle section. So it's visible and it kind of gives some extra torsional reinforcement just under the handle. And when I was doing our new shaft designs, you know, I wanted to apply this material as well. And, and one of the thoughts was, um, you know, at, at what level can we use it? Kind of to your question, how, how much can we put in there? And what's exciting is, is that we ended up going as far as we could. So what I would say is, you know, every part of the shaft that resists twist is using spread toe fabric and it encompasses over half the shaft's weight. So wow. we're really pushing it. And then I actually have it at the tip section on the outside of the shaft. It's exposed, so it's visual, but it's also reinforcing, you know, an area which Know, honestly gets the most stress in, in torsion. It's the closest to the head. It's the skinniest part of the shaft. So yeah, it's it's exciting. This is what we, we're calling this power grid technology. And and power grid technology is, is a is a spread toe fabric entirely in the core of the shaft. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's 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 completely different. It's innovative and it's no one has done something like this. And I think it's just so cost prohibitive few people would touch that. Wow. So a lot of this is about the presentation of stability, uh, or is it more about allowing golfers to take a shaft and, and not feel like they're underpowering or overpowering it um, and allowing it to work in unison with the head? What, what exactly is the experience going to be like for the end user? I, I like to think of like a fabric and, and discussing why that's kind of a big deal. And when you think of like a like a, a net or a hammock, I like to bring up this hammock uh, kind of a, 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 a you know reference. It's like if you sit on one, you know, all all your weight gets transferred to all these different knots, and each knot's just taking a small amount. And it's not just the knots that are close to you; there are knots all the way through this whole net that's kind of absorbing your the weight that you put on it. And that's kind of what I want you to think of when you have a fabric that's over half the shaft weight in the, you know, that's uh, taking stresses from bending and twist. We're taking, we're spreading any kind of load over the whole length of the shaft. Um, and so we're using, I think, more of the shaft, we're leveraging it more and we're um, integrating. I like to use this word, it's, it's more of an integration. You know, the part will feel like it's, uh, like it's completely integrated and, and, and there's a power to that, right? There's an energy transfer to that. There's a feel to that. There's a velocity component to that. There's a stability to that. And all of this is pretty exciting. We, When we were doing validation testing, that was probably the most exciting and eye-opening thing. Uh, and again, you go into something like this, uh, you know, you, you you have an idea from an engineering point of view, the, the benefits of something like this would have, but you have to validate it. And when we're going through validation testing with the GC quad, you know, we're seeing higher ball speeds. We're seeing this uh, lower spin on off-center shots. Um, a lot of 
um, a lot of comments on the connectivity feeling of this shaft being very different than others. Okay. That it, I think that's, shows. yeah, that's a big part of the THP story, right? Because our, our goal is to go and experience something for ourselves or when we can't, then we're going to reach out to other THPers and say, Hey, look, what's going on with this? Tell me everything you can possibly tell me. I'm going to argue with you the whole time. And then we'll, we'll come to an agreement that I need to go try it for myself. So, you know, I, I would love a little bit more on the initial feedback that you've received, uh, especially when it comes to expectations versus reality. What, what did they expect and what did they come to experience when they tried Aratera? Um, if you're, if you're saying what was the difference in what they thought they would expect versus uh, what they actually did all the way through, I mean, they come and they hit a new shaft and their expectations are wide open. What, what did they see? What, what were they surprised about? What, what did they not expect? That kind of thing. I think a lot of people didn't expect that they would like for, we have two flights and, and honestly, the reason we came up with two flights was because we're new and we didn't, you know, could we have done three flights? We could have, but two flights I thought was a plenty. So we're not okay. splitting hairs. And then we didn't have, you know, we just figured from a SKU point of view, we couldn't come out of the gate with hundreds of SKUs and expect, you know, a, a customer who doesn't know who we are to take them all. But but we have two flights and the two flights, you know, are, are a softer tip version and a, and a stiffer tip version. And and that's kind of to, to, to regulate spin and ball flight. You know, and there's a feel component to that as well. But when we had players hit it, and some of the players are bombers with really high club head speeds, you know, in the 125s, we had one guy hit it at 136 mile per hour club head speed. We'd never, I've never seen 130 plus club head speed before. Um, a lot of players were gravitating toward the softer tip version, which is extremely. I mean, let's not, I, want, I don't want to use the word extremely softer. I mean, compared to what most big hitters like in tip stiffness that I've seen in my experience, we really kind of backed off of that to give more forgiveness and feel. And, and that was being preferred when we had power grid technology in there. Interesting. And what I would like, yeah. What I would like to say to that is, you know, when you don't have stability in a shaft, you try to get it, in other ways and sometimes that's through stiffness and just a, a huge amount of it you know so it gets so rigid um but you get some stability out of that um and what i think we did with our shafts is give people that feel give people the energy transfer but not have to sacrifice stability to do it. So now that the stability is already there, they can go down to something with more feel and more playability. And that's yeah. what we were seeing. So ball speed goes up, you know, the spins doesn't go out of control. Off center shots are still very playable. So that's kind of, that was surprising, you know, to see that we would find that softer tip version being so popular among big hitters. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, one of the fascinating things about golf for me is I, I find, uh, and I'm just going to speak personally on this one, I, I tend to lean on, uh, especially the irons, in a softer flex because I think it allows me to swing more pure uh, as opposed to when I get something a little bit more stout or something that has fairly poor timing for my swing, I tend to be a, a lot more aggressive at the ball, which is 
unbelievably irritating that I can't overcome something as simple as that, you know, <laughs> but I, I, it, do you think a lot of that, that, that you were experiencing was that they felt more comfortable in the softer tip style or is it more, more results based that allowed them to go there? That's a great question. I, and I, you know, it, it, a lot of these people were hitting on a launch monitor. They could see their numbers. Um, but these comments were, I think, based solely on feel and solely on um, uh, how they felt where they could locate the head and, and know where everything was during the swing, the connectivity of it and, and the confidence that it gave them during their downswing, right? Um, that they can go at it and, and feel that the stability was there. Um, I really do think it was a function of just the shaft itself, having that stability, giving them that confidence. Um, it, and it worked for them. Uh, now we've got different flexes, different weights, so we could still do the fit. Uh, but this was more of a player evaluation. So if the spin wasn't dead on, if, you know, we weren't tuning the shaft for tip, tip cuts or anything like that, it was just a raw, you know, we were testing um, some 60 grams of X, X flex shafts and S flex shafts and giving these two profiles. And, and we were just really excited to see those results and how it was perceived. Okay. Is this feel more like a starting point? Is there a plan to develop multiple shaft styles or even slide into other parts of the bag? I, I am assuming the answer has to be sure. Why not at some point, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, what is, is there a, a roadmap you have in mind? Uh, well, the roadmap for us is to get a company off the ground, right? And, yeah. And it's, and that's, um, and how do we make it sustain itself and grow, uh, do it responsibly, um, and have fun doing it while we're there. Well, while, while we can, uh, it's the roadmap I think for us is, to continue developing just great golf products that can resonate with our with our customers and our audience, right? Um, and we want to be authentic to that. So the next product will definitely continue to leverage advanced materials and and innovations, right? That's kind of where I'm at. If, if you look at my history, I've I've had a you know I think a track record of innovating with different materials and 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 successes on the PGA Tour and successes, right? Of course, with then within the aftermarket um for popular shafts and i think i could continue that with with our terra and, and and push it further and that's kind of like i think that's pretty much the reason why i went on my own is to kind of test that right to challenge myself on that and to continue to to grow personally and and, and professionally in that way okay one of the things I read was that the likelihood of the, I believe this isn't the intent here is an aftermarket product. Uh, and it sounds like you will find them in select fitters throughout the United States. Is there a list there that we can expect? Yeah. So as we speak, we're trying to grow that network. Um, club champions been really good with us and we expect to have our products at all their outlets um, and all SKUs, you know, I think we've, we have a 50 gram, a 60 gram, 70 gram product uh, line coming out right now, um, uh, where, where the 50 is going to be in an R and S, uh, the 60 grams are going to be in the S and X and the 70 gram also just S and X. So we're really gearing toward more of the, you know, the faster club head speeds, except for that 50 grammar, which has a little softer, uh, softer profile. And we're actually not even giving them flex designations, right? We're going through a numerical 
flex designation of three, four, and five, five being like a, an X flex. Um, and that's just because I think it's, it's, it's better to describe a shaft that way versus these regular flex letters, which I think sometimes have a negative connotation. You know, people see like a senior and they're like, I can't hit a senior. It's not me, but sometimes the fits there and, and something they should have tried. So I think a numerical fitting kind of characterization will help people, um, you know, be less apprehensive to try something that actually would, would benefit their game and their timing. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, okay. club champions going to be one that will be carry. We've been in talks with uh true spec and, 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 cool clubs. And then of course, a lot of the independent national, you know, shops will be uh, reaching out to um, locally here up in, you know, San Clemente area, uh, not San Clemente, but uh, Mission Viejo. Uh, no bogeys has been really good with us. They've been helping us do a lot of testing. Um, hope to get it with them. These guys are great. Okay. Well, I, I think this is a huge benefit to be a, a newer shaft company or an aftermarket shaft company right now i think it's a fascinating time to be a golfer because you do have the freedom to go and try just about anything if you really desire uh, to get the perfect fit that has to feel a lot different for you than it was 20 years ago the idea that the end goal back then surely was let's get an oam and and try to promote popularity through that unless you, you unless you get in tiger's bag and then suddenly you can do whatever you want but you know <laughs> it does it feel like a much easier time to do what you're attempting to do here? Uh, that is so true. You know, the time, you know, 20 years ago, uh, a lot of, a lot of this came from legacy shaft companies that had large factories and, you know, maybe commitments to buy lots of material and, and to keep the lights on, you wanted OEM business, right? That's the way this worked in the OEM business. Then the volumes are, really high. And then the aftermarket was super small and just really a nascent growing market. And um, the times have changed, right? And now we're looking at um, aftermarket really growing a lot, not just because of COVID, but I think just the awareness of fitting and the technologies out there and people being able to just walk up to a, a cool place like Club Champion, True Spec, you know, cool clubs and or their local mom and pop and being able to hit and validate their product with great fitters, you know, great fitters that really know their stuff um, can really look at your swing and, and squeeze everything performance wise out of it. And you can see it on a screen, the differences, you know, that's what's making a big, a big difference. It's, it's convenient and it's, it's very, um, it's gone mainstream. Right. And so, and there's also your audience and the, and the blogging sphere, all these people talking about shafts and what they're doing. And uh, there's a lot of validation just through that community talking about how that product resonates and what it can, how it compares to others and, and what it can did for their game. And I think there's a lot of excitement in that. So for us, we, I think, are hitting this at the right time. And because we don't have, because the aftermarket's done, is doing so well, it's so healthy, we don't have to participate in OEM, you know, would have to go hunt out that OEM business where we could, you know, make a shaft for them. That's, uh, you know, relatively low cost and we're kind of watering down the brand. Yeah. I, I really want to ask you about that because we've seen in the past materials, uh, 
there's a there's a style of shaft that exists and it it, it uh, watered down is an interesting way of putting it uh, altering the materials to be more accommodating to a lot more golfers to be fit into a stock product uh, i'm trying to find a, a right way to address that uh, without discrediting because i think i think the concepts are still quite strong in these shafts it just there has to be an understanding that if you're focusing on this particular shaft for better golfers then realistically it shouldn't be an expectation that it will fit a huge percentage of the golf population, but you don't have to go and and water it down or adjust the materials that are in it to soften it up a bit to accommodate more golfers. So, you know, I, I'm I'm really fascinated about that piece of it. Do, do you think um, do you think that allows your brand to stay more true when you don't have to make any alterations to to accommodate for folks? Or how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think today's you know consumer of golf products a lot of them understand how the business works and how sometimes a company that has a four hundred dollar shaft on you know that for sale can somehow make it into a 299 driver they kind of get it you know there's been a lot of talk about that online and in videos about the differences um so i'm not sure how much of a plus or minus that gives to a brand's image. But, you know, for us, we just want to stay true to ourselves and, and not have to, you know, make someone feel that they're getting something that really isn't real, maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a big difference, I think, in looking at aftermarket product versus stock. And um, and, the, and the difference is that in, in stock, you're, you're more vanilla and you're trying to be something to everybody. And sometimes if you're lucky, that shaft is great. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting a low cost shaft that performs well for you. You don't, we don't have to play this, you know, into this idea that it has to be the most expensive shaft that works for you. The one that works for you is just the one that works for you. And, and, and if it happens to be a really low cost shaft, good for you. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a big win. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in the world, you know, it's, and it's, it's kind of like going to your favorite clothing shop, you know, and you're trying a shirt or a pair of pants and, oh my gosh, you don't even have to go get it you know, altered and it just fits. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Buy the dang thing and you're stoked, right? So it's the same thing in golf. I think when you have a golf shaft and um, and it works for you off the rack, fantastic. But a lot of times it's not the case and you need alterations. And so for that, that's where I think aftermarket comes in. There's so many choices there. And, um, you know, and plus you get the experience of the fitter. And now it's a matter of, you know, finding that one that works for you right and there's profiles and there's weights and flexes uh have at it and you know for us we just want to be able to participate in that and then have people excited to try our product and give it a shot we think it's exciting we think it'll do well for them right yeah i, I want to ask you about um not necessarily shaft design but shaft presentation i, I think is oftentimes under thought from a lot of golfers and and what I mean by that is if you get a, a shaft in someone's hands and it's just as a silver shaft with black writing, people probably aren't going to get that excited about it. But when it's a, an interesting looking shaft with interesting visual technology, which you've already referenced with a, a really cool design on it, which, you know, people are like, hey, man, what do you have in the bag there? What is that shaft? How much time did you guys spend considering that when you're building out this product? Uh, a lot, of course. You know, I mean, a, a part of us, I mean, we we're, we're new and we're hungry right and we we want to do the best we can on everything we're all challenged that way we're all motivated that way we're passionate about that 
So from a structural point of view, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to button everything up uh, the best I can. I'm trying to use the best materials I can as well. But what people see is the cosmetic and how it looks, you know, you can't pick up a shaft and become material scientist and seem to understand all that. And we don't expect people to, but the look has to be there. And so, yeah, so we spend a lot of time on that finish. Um, we spend a lot of time on the graphic and how it's going to look and how clean it's going to be and how does it represent our brand? You know, and, and here we are a brand new company out of the gate. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure on that, right? Because you want to represent yourself in the best light you can. Um, so absolutely, we 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 took a lot of time. And we still are uh, making sure that it's just right, you know. Um, yeah. But that being said, you know, we've seen a lot of people who who look at their shaft in ways where they don't pay attention to its color or its design, and uh, and sometimes you know when I hear that I'm I'm like, oh man, we worked so hard on that, they didn't even notice. Um, <laughs> A very small number, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen all kinds, right? Those yeah. that really see every little detail and some that didn't even notice their shaft had a, a certain, they don't know their brand. And that's another thing. You know, sometimes a model becomes so popular, uh, Ventus or, you know, Diamana. People forget who made it. You know, that brand becomes stronger than, that model mm. seems to be stronger than the brand. And, you know, so it's it's a nascent market. Um, we're excited to be a part of that, and I think there's still growth uh, for everyone to succeed. So um, you know, we we want people to think of Aratera as as a as a authentic premium brand uh, with incredible technologies that no one else offers. And I think people hopefully will remember Aratera, not just our chef model. You know, because every year, every two years, or whatever five years, you have to come up with a new model and. It's dizzying, you know, it's, if we could be like a pro V1 kind of, you know, thing and it's, there's, there's some, there's some, uh, well, that's you know, some, that, the goal there is to be that. the next, you know, pro V style, right? I, I think of like uh, pro force or envy green or uh speeder. Like those are the ones where you don't care what version of it is. You just want one in your hands because you know yeah. what it does. And, uh, the old tiger shaft, uh, the ADDI, like those, those are, those the, that's got to be the end goal, right? To create a shaft that has that kind of following to it. Absolutely, but you know, again, when you mention those, everyone you remember the brand, you remember the model. What we want that, people that, to do is remember. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah, that's what I was trying to reference. Is like it. It's yeah. sort of, it's sort of inherent. It, it will happen no matter whether you want it to or not. It's one of those things, right? Well, <laughs> so our our first shaft will be uh, called Alpha One. Alpha and One. Alpha okay. One be offered in two profiles right so you know and if it's 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 something that i think is uh something simple and it's more just alphanumeric and the idea there is to kind of put focus on aratera and um, we'll see how that goes hopefully that's the right move yeah so so when it comes to graphite do, do you see a continued adjustment overall do you think that the big story will coming out will be the, the chance for graphite iron shafts to start overtaking what what is what has been your perspective over the last 15 10 20 years and, and the way that graphite shifted well if you're if we're talking about iron specifically right i mean the last project i did with fujikuro was the axiom irons and um and 
it, I'm really proud of how those came out and really proud about, you know, how the testing went and, and the validation of that. And I, and I honestly stayed at Fuji as long as I did, just so I could see those through and watch them go through launch and, uh, and get a sense of what the consumer feedback was and how they, how they do in the market. And, you know, just the other day we were at Cobra golf, um, speaking to TJ Spindle and he's like, oh yeah, I have axioms in my bag right now. And these things are amazing. They're, um, you know, I, I, I've always played steel and these things are amazing. I can't believe they're, they're so stable. And I'm like, well, you know, it's iron shafts should have been good and they weren't because of cost, you know, the, the nature of shafts of steel being so inexpensive graphite was kind of like an afterthought and, and to make something so heavy with graphite is kind of difficult because graphite is known for being light, right? That's the, that's the selling point of graphite. So to make something heavy, it's a challenge, right? For every, 125 gram iron shaft that's like 260 gram shafts but you're <laughs> selling it at less than half the cost right so it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough uh thing to do but i think what happens is is in today's market people see that the if you want performance it, it, it it's it, you, you can't expect that lower price that you're used to for graphite irons if you want them to play well because mm. the materials they're not they're not cheap right and there's a lot of it in there hmm. um, okay. but that actually really proved out and i think it's a, it, it should make iron shafts uh made of graphite um definitely much more accepted and seen as a performance type product and not like your grandfather's iron shaft it doesn't have to be either or that you know it's feels great and performs um but it has to be great has to be steel and no it's it's we have way more ability to tune performance in graphite than you do in steel. Right? Okay. So, so steel is such a, such a coarse material that you just either make it thin or thick, step it a little bit less or more, and you're stuck with the, with these, with these structural, you know, whatever happens is based on that. That's it. You know, but with graphite, man, you could change layups and you could do it quickly, you know, um, Steel's not an easy thing to adjust, right? Graphite, it's a layup change. It's a material fiber change. And you can make things, you know, soft and and heavy. And you can make something stiff and light. But in steel, that's just not possible. They just go hand in hand. That when you are heavier, it's just stiffer, generally hmm. speaking, unless they do some kind of weird tweak. But for the most part, it's hard to avoid. Okay. That was... A surprisingly specific answer. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to assume that uh, that Aratera has that on the idea card, like way down the stack somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's well, I th- is, that, do you that. do you feel like there's more of a freedom being that you are designing to be aftermarket that you can get more creative with iron shafts and and it sort of opens the door there. Whew. Great question. It does open the door there and you can be more creative especially if you know you're a new company and you're just starting out and 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 there's a growing acceptance for better playing iron shafts and it's something that we would definitely want to participate in 
It's just got to be the right timing for us because to do an iron shaft, it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of logistical issues with that. You know, there's a lot of different skews, uh, different, you know, it's expected that a shaft be, uh, you know, the same, like a several lengths of several lengths per, per, per weight and flex, right. You have to okay. offer. Um, okay. So it's, it becomes a skew, uh, kind of a thing. So with Axiom, you know, what I did with that was make it three lengths so that you could trim that and mm -hmm. not have, you know, nine skews per set or something. It was just three and the trimming wasn't that crazy from, to get all the lengths you wanted. It was maybe just an inch versus, you know, six inches if you're doing a one blank type iron um so yeah there's a lot of innovation there we'll keep post stay posted you know we want to um we want to we want to see how these uh how our drivers are received and and then move on to the next project right i'd just like to take a moment to note the sly grin on his face right now so that's perfect uh one last question what 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 word keeps you up more at night skew or resin Oh, rescue or resin? Those yeah. are so different. Um, <laughs> I would say skews would have to be more, you know, crazy for me because you know you got to manage all that inventory, and uh, that's that's a lot of it's it's a headache. And uh, yeah. resin, it's a lot of um, a lot of our material suppliers. They've really gotten it's come a long way, right? There was a time where resin was was high and it was uncontrolled, and now these factories can film things really thin, very lightweight, uh, very high, you know, very tight tolerances. So resin's not an issue for me anymore, especially with spread toe, you've got less lower resin there. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a problem solved. And now it's like, uh, you know, how do we monitor our, our SKUs and make sure we're not doing too crazy, right? Perfect. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you a little bit, Alex, and getting to know what the goal is with uh, Aratera. Do you have any questions for me or thoughts for the guys who are tuning in to to get a better understanding of the brand? Man, we we covered a ton, Dan. I, I just appreciate the time that you gave us and um, you know the platform to speak to your audience. You know, I saw a little blog already kind of opened up in your forums, and that was kind of fun to see some. Um, Initial responses. So, uh, you have a very engaged audience, and we're um, hopefully can resonate with them, right? Awesome. Well, they they never shy Excellent. away from sharing their full opinion. So, I'm looking forward to seeing product in hand of, of some folks, and especially in the the fitters, so we can start to go and read about THP's experiences with them against others, and and really get to know the product a bit more. And and best of luck as as you get this Thank started. You. Awesome. Thank you. Looking forward to the challenge and it's uh, a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. Right on. Hey, everyone out there, go check out Aratera. It's a very interesting looking new shaft concept, some great technology built into it. And it sounds like there is some serious intent to continue to improve and develop. Um, if you are playing golf this weekend, have fun. Don't uh, just hit a stock driver shaft unless uh, apparently unless it fits perfectly and then you are the luckiest man on earth. So <laughs> either way, have a great time. We'll catch you guys next week. THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.